Hey everyone, welcome back to the QBIQ podcast. This is Chet Walters. Great episode today with a friend, Zach Shaw, Director of Football Operations and Offensive Coordinator at Nichols College Division III School in Massachusetts, just outside Boston. Great conversation with Zach today about his lengthy experience of playing, uh, a lot overseas in several different countries, and now as the offensive coordinator at a Division three school. Another really cool part about this conversation was that this is in the middle of their bye week, and coming off of a tough loss, what that mindset transition is like for a coach, for a player, as an offense, you know, what your mindset is for the week, how to go about practice, how to recover from a loss, and how to move on, move forward to the next week. Really pumped about this episode. Great information from Zach, big user of QBIQ, so really excited. Again, guys, for the full system, head to QBIQsystem.com. Stay tuned on all of our social channels for all the great content. Latest film room drop almost every day. Stay top of it. Follow it. QBIQsystem.com and at QBIQsystem. All right, guys, we are back. Another episode of the QBIQ podcast. Pumped tonight to have Zach Shaw, Director of Football Operations and Offense Coordinator at Nichols College. It's, it's tough to say that that's all you do because you've <laughs> done a ton of things. But nonetheless, Zach Shaw, how you doing, man? I'm good. I uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to be able to talk some ball with you guys and kind of just, you know, share my experience. And hopefully people can pick a little, pick things up here and there and open even learn to learn a lot myself here, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so you guys are in like week five or six of your season now at Nichols? Yep. So we, uh, we're entering week six right now. It's actually our bye week. We kind of, uh, the way our schedule panned out, we played five. Now we're on bye week and we'll play our next five. So it's actually kind of a nice little spot to have that bye week and almost do that self scout and really, really attack that last half of the season. We'll go. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of a great breaking point there. What's, uh, what's been the first half of the season like for you guys? Uh, it's been awesome. Um, you know, the last few years, Nichols, it's, it's been up, up and down. And, uh, last year, my first year there, we were able to go five and five coming off of the previous year was a two and eight season. So we saw a lot of improvement. Um, so there's a lot of excitement going into this year. And, you know, we're sitting at three and two right now. Uh, we have a one point loss in overtime. And then, you know, the other loss, we just, we just lost to the four time defending champs, uh, by 11 in a game that, you know, two or three plays go the other way. And it's, and it's a much different game. So uh, we're right on the cusp of, of great things. And so we're really excited for this last half of the season and to see where, where our guys can go. Um, it, it's always nice when you have a team that's bought in. I mean, the guys are 100% full go. Everyone's going in the same direction. So it, it's exciting what's going on right now. In this so the the loss that you guys just had to the defending champs, that was this pack, past week leading into the bye? Yeah, so that was, yeah, Western New England University. So um, they've won our conference four straight years. Uh, last year was actually a three-way tie where they won the tiebreaker uh, between uh, two th- two other teams, so three total. Um, and so before that week, we actually beat one of the teams that tied with them last year, which was Salve Regina. So we were feeling really good, had a good week of practice, went into the game, and it was 
it was real close the whole time. Uh, they pulled away a little bit in the third, and then we started rallying back. And it just, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, a little bit too little too late. Yeah. Uh, there were, you know, it's football. So there was, there was probably four or five plays that if maybe the ball bounces the other way or one of our guys makes a play or something like that, and it, it could go a whole different direction. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So with a game like that, Go followed by a bye week. I feel like it can kind of go two ways where it kind of gives you some time as a player to maybe get into your head a little bit and think about what you could have done. But it's also an opportunity to say, to kind of, you know, rejuvenate and, and refresh. What's, what's the vibe like with you guys right now? Um, coming off of a loss like that into the bye week. Yeah, I think. It, it is always tough, and you make a really good point. That's kind of uh, – I'm almost happy we're ha- we have that bye week because sometimes those games after the big emotional game, whether it's a win or a loss, can almost turn into a trap game because you put so much into this one game, this, this big-time opponent, and you're ready to go. And whether it's a win or a loss, sometimes all that energy flushes out. So it's pretty nice having that bye week. But right now, the, the energy is good. We had our first practice this week uh, for the bye week today. And the guys were flying around, had a lot of fun. Um, it is always kind of that thought process of, you know, well, what if I did this? What if I, even as a coach, what if I made this call or what if I made this substitution? What if I, you know, timed it out a little bit differently? But what's most important and what the guys are doing is it's about learning from that. If you get too stuck on the what ifs, that's an issue. But if you use that what if to say, okay, well, next time I'm going to do this or this is the adjustment we're going to make and then head in that right direction. I think that's what we're doing right now. Um, we had a good day of practice today, so we got to keep it going for the rest of the bye week, and then um, hopefully the guys can kind of rejuvenate over the weekend when they have their time off. And and this is your first year as offensive coordinator at Nichols, is that right? Yeah, so last year I was the pass game coordinator. I also called the plays, um, so it was kind of myself and uh, one other guy kind of almost running the show, but um, – it's my second year as the play caller, but first year kind of as the, the captain of the ship, if you will. Any difference that you see or feel? Um, I think the, the biggest difference is it's there's no shared responsibility. Uh, the accountability, the responsibility, it's, you know, uh, I, I make all the answers if something's going wrong. Um, so at the end of the day, I have to make sure that whether – I'm coaching, you know, the one saying I have is you coach it to happen or you allow it to happen. There's no in between. Um, and so now that that responsibility is solely on me. Uh, now that's, I like that. It's part of, you know, the competitive nature of football. So I would say that's the biggest difference. Um, the other difference is kind of just being able to, to mold the offense into what I really see is best. Um, but what I really like about it is I have a really good staff, really supportive staff. And they give me a lot of tools to to be able to have success both on and off the field with the guys. Um, and it's nice having different personalities, which which is always good. If you have five guys on offense that all think the same way, you can run into some issues because you all think you're great. <laughs> but mm-hmm. having other guys who can kind of be like, you know, I, I see you want to do this. Why? What if we did this instead? And it's it's a good, nice little flow there. What's it like for you to be the director of football operations and the offensive coordinator? Uh, the biggest thing is time management because, um, you, you you know, I come into the office one day and say, all right, these are the things I need to get done on the op side. These are the things I got to get done as far as the offensive side. 
and it's easy um, to kind of get lost in one thing. So you're, you're doing one thing and you're, you're kind of getting in that groove and all of a sudden you look up, it's like, oh, I just spent three hours on something that I need to not do. <laughs> the biggest thing is watching film. You know, I'm doing scout. I'm watching film on the next opponent. And then it's like, oh, I have to go meet with the academic team and make sure everything's going going okay with that. Maybe meet with some advisors or meet with the equipment guy to make sure jerseys and things are all set. But um, the time management piece is the biggest especially because sometimes you just get in that mode where it's like, I just want to do football, football, football. I want to watch film with the guys. I want to meet with the guys. Um, and, and unfortunately it can't always be that all the time. Yeah. So it's safe to say that you have your hands full. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. But it's, uh, but it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's football around the clock. I couldn't ask for a better job. I, you know, some people you hear them like, Oh, I have to work, you know, the nine to five, I got to work, go work eight hours. It's not out of the norm for me to work 10 hours every day, but it doesn't feel that way because it's football and it's, it's what I love to do. And I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you say, you say football around the clock and it's not just what it's been like for you this year. That's what it's been like you for like six years plus. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you've been to, I mean, what is it? You've been to Denmark, France, Germany, all these playing experiences all these different teams, you, you got to have some stories. You got to <laughs> have some stories from, from all those experiences. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty unique. I had the opportunity. Actually, I uh, technically dropped out of college my last semester of senior year, enrolled in online courses through a tech school because I had the opportunity to go to Denmark, but they needed me to come there in late January. So it was actually funny. I got a contract offer. Uh, two days later, I dropped out of school. <laughs> two days after that, I enrolled at a tech school. And then I was on a plane about a week later. Um, and so that was just kind of, the, you know, almost the start of the journey and just being able to be in school. Well, this, this, was, this was as you were finishing, you just finished your season at Wisconsin Lutheran College, right? Yeah. Yep. So, and, yeah. And, and let alone, if, if, I, if I'm correct, you were the all-time, the program's all-time leader in both passing yards and touchdowns. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. So I finished. I was fortunate enough to to be named a starter as a freshman, um, so I had plenty of time to, to, I guess, rack up those stats, if you will. But um, yeah, so I finished fairly successful there, uh, and then I, I, I had the opportunity through some connections I made, actually coaching some camps, um, had a few connects over to Europe, and. Um, it all panned out for me in, in a pretty short amount of time. And that kind of started my trajectory that I was able to make a little bit of a name for myself in that first year over in Europe. And um, from there, it just kind of took off. Uh, and it's, it's funny. I kind of partially retired two different times. <laughs> Thought I was done playing, but then that, that itch to go play, I just ended up going back a few more times. Um, but the experiences were there with the different cultures. I mean, yeah, like you said, a year in Denmark, a year in France, I had two years in Germany and a year in Switzerland, just meeting all those different people, uh, the different kind of philosophy on football, how, how, how seriously or how, how seriously they took it or if it was just more for fun and, and just how much that there are people over in Europe that love this sport. And it's just, it's not as ingrained in the culture as it is it here in, as it is here in the States, but they love it. The guys who play it, they're just as passionate for it as we are. Um, it's just, that's not necessarily the resources or the time that we have. 
And, and some of those stops, you were, in addition to being the quarterback of the team, you were also either co-head coach or offensive coordinator or coach of the junior team. What, what was that like? Uh, it was awesome, to be honest. I, I, I always, so my first stop was in Denmark, and actually part of the contract was they, they told me straight up, this is a one-year deal. We've got a guy on the senior level that we know is going to be our quarterback. He was a Danish, uh, Danish-born citizen. And they just said, you know, he's not ready yet. Your job is to come over, kind of mentor him, and then we want you to coach the youth. And uh, that's not something I ever thought about doing, but once I did it, I fell in love with it. And it's just, it's almost that piece where you get to give back to the sport. It's, you know, obviously football has given me so much. Um, growing up, I, you know, not a ton of money, so I would have never been able to go travel Europe the way I did. And the reason I was able to do that was because of football. So it's kind of that mentality of giving back. Um, but uh, yeah, when I was in Denmark, is that, I, now, is that when you kind of started to think about coaching, or did you know you were going to be a coach before that? I kind of decided to. I wanted to be a coach my sophomore year of college when my quarterback coach in college invited me to come do some camps with them. And I just being around the players, being around other coaches and the passion and being able to pass on the knowledge I had and see other guys grow. It's, it's intoxicating and it's, it just, it brings a whole nother level of the love of the game. Um, Obviously as a player, you want to compete, you want to see how good you can be. You want to, you want to fight with that guy next to you for, for one common goal. And then that coaching piece is just that much more because you're not competing, but you get to share in the success and you get to share in the joy that other guys are having. And you kind of get to sit back and kind of watch it happen. So when I got over there and I started doing that with the youth program, and then like you said, I did actually take over as the OC for a couple of teams I actually played on. So I was calling the plays and playing at the same time. It's just, it's, it's a unique experience and it's a lot of fun um, to kind of help, grow the sport and, and, and teach guys the way I kind of think of football and kind of share that passion with them. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. And who was your, who was your quarterbacks coach at Wisconsin Lutheran? Uh, Rob Slavens. Rob Slavens. That's a, that's another guy that we got to get on the podcast here. He's a, he's a big QBIQ guy, but awesome coach and, and a great dude. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was, he was my QB coach all four years at college and, um, he, he taught me a lot, uh, both as a player and just as a man, how to how to conduct myself as a coach, how to conduct myself as a person. Um, I mean, I still remember my sophomore year. I came off of a pretty successful freshman year. I think my uh, my head got a little bit too big. And uh, I remember a conversation he had with me and I won't use the exact words he said, but pretty much, you know, you have to be a better teammate and you have to you have to learn. It's not about you. And about all the guys around you and that conversation really set me on a much more productive path for the rest of my playing career and into my coaching career so he's he's definitely a guy that you'd love to have on the podcast and he can definitely share some knowledge with with coaches and players around around the world really whoever's listening to this podcast that 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 relationship is a special one and it, and it seems like throughout our careers if that's what we call it we, we only get one of those or two of those or very few at the most is, did you have any other coaches that kind of became that relationship with you like Rob or was Rob kind of that mentor that, that you found once you got to college? 
Yeah, I would say, yeah, Coach Slavens, he was he was probably that biggest mentor just because, you know, he's my position coach and, and, and anyone who's played the position of quarterback knows it's it's just different. Um and you know, it, it you have to think about the game differently. You gotta think about your teammates differently almost and kind of your role on the team. And, and he was really able to help me grow. Um he wasn't a guy who was like, This is the only he wasn't a this is how you do it my way or the highway kind of guy. He really let me grow into my own and, and develop my own style as a player, my own style as a coach. But he would, you know, kind of drop those little nuggets of knowledge on me now and again where it's like, okay, this is how I can change and I can be better. Um, of course, the head coach I had in college that was, um, you know, Dennis Miller. Uh, he was there for all four years that I was there, and um, he recruited me to come there. I remember him coming down. Uh, I grew up in the northern suburbs of Chicago, and he drove down from Milwaukee to come have dinner with me and my mom one night just because, you know, he wanted me to come play for him and just – just that personal relationship where it's more than just the game and you can sit down and talk and whether it's coach Slavens or even coach Miller, you know, we don't talk constantly, but anytime I'm back in Milwaukee, I'm back in the Midwest to, to visit, I, I can go and pop in. I mean, the last time I was in Milwaukee, I popped in and coach Miller was working out and he said, hang out for 15 minutes. And then he finished his workout. And then I sat in his office and we just talked for like an hour about football, about life, about what we were doing. So it was, it was pretty cool. That's a, that's a special bond. It's, um, those relationships are so cool to, to go back and look back on after you're done playing and you can zoom out and really appreciate the opportunities you were given and the knowledge that was, that was being poured on you and the love that was being poured out. Uh, it's really cool. I share similar experiences. So I'm, I'm sure I can speak with you that. That it's really cool to zoom out years later and say, man, how, how cool, how cool was that? Like, how, how awesome is that to, I was such a, such a sponge with what those guys were saying. And now, now we're almost friends. Um, that's a really cool, really cool relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, especially that whole looking back thing. Cause as a player, there's always that, you know, sometimes like, oh man, coach is so hard on me or why is he doing this? This kind of stuff doesn't matter, you know, this, that, and the other. And then, you kind of are in that role as a coach or you're in that role as just as a mentor or a leader, even if you're not coaching anymore, but you look back on things they did and you're like, that's why they did it. It's not necessarily about that one moment, what they're teaching you, but it's more of a longevity thing where it's, this is an important principle to understand it. You know, maybe at this exact time you don't get it, but over the long run, there's, there's plenty of times where I'm coaching and, and I, I'm I'm struggling to find the words to, to to teach my kids or my players, and then all of a sudden just kind of pops into my memory something that Coach Miller said or Coach Slavin said to me. And I'm like, that's it. That that's exactly what they were trying to teach me, and now I can pass that along to my guys. Yeah, and, I, and let alone you, you were able to take it overseas. And, and I'm right. looking at it right now: two season in in Potsdam. And starting quarterback, 18 and four record, 4,000 passing yards, 41 touchdowns, 2017 GFL championship, German football league. And your integral part in coaching and implemented a no huddle offense. I mean, <laughs> talk about yeah. hands and all the cookie jars. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that's what, what an experience that was transitioning from playing at Wisconsin Lutheran with those mentors that you had 
jumping over through the other experiences in Denmark, France, and and, and then in Germany in tw- uh, 2017. Man, what's what's that story like? What was that season like? Yeah, so uh, I'll actually go a little further. Go back to Denmark. So actually, in college. So in college, we were a very traditional West Coast. 21 and 12 personnel team and I was under center a lot of play action always huddling I mean I had a wrist coach on that had 140 plays on it um with the you know the super long play you know Jack Wright switch zing 68 Z like that kind of play calling and then I went to Denmark and our play calls were 21 and that was the play and it was all no huddle <laughs> all signals from the sideline I never called the plays because everyone's looking at the sideline so this is huge drastic shift and uh, to be honest, that was what made me kind of fall in love with that no huddle spread spread style. Um, and if, you know, I'll be completely open and honest, after I came back, I actually got a, an OC job at a junior college up in Minnesota. And I tried to implement that no huddle offense. I didn't quite have the knowledge and just it would, did not go well. I did not do a very good job. <laughs> um, this, this was like this was like, what, 2013, 14, somewhere around there? Yeah, 14. So, yeah, I was in Denmark in 2013. And then I came back in the fall of 2014. I was up in Minnesota um, as the OC at a, at a, at a non-scholarship ju- junior college, and that was just this was yeah this was really right when like the whole maybe maybe a year or so after, but the whole Chip Kelly kind of fast hurry up skill you know emphasis on the skill players. That was really when that first started started taking a. a you know, a large persona in both college, high school, both third and and NFL. Yeah, absolutely. That was, it was a huge fad and it was, I mean, I shouldn't call it a fad because it's definitely still very strong. Um, But that was when that really exploded Um, because it probably started a couple years before, but no one really understood exactly how to do it or how, you know, why to do it. And right around that time was when everyone was really starting to pick it up and, you know, my, my, you know, being a 23 year old offensive coordinator, junior college, I thought I had all the answers. And so I'm in <laughs> and I did not have all the answers. Um, but, um, but that was a huge learning experience. And then I, and then I go to France. Um, and it's funny, both in France and in Potsdam, I didn't start the season as the OC. What happened was I kind of helped develop the, the passing game, which, you know, as a quarterback, even if you're not, a coach, you're just the quarterback. You still kind of have that influence in the passing game because, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with the concept as a coach, you're not going to call that play. So I, I kind of helped develop the passing game. And then both in France and in Germany, after like two or three games, I kind of got handed the keys to the car. I was like, all right, you know, you're in charge of it now. You're going to call the plays. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool because I think what that allowed me to do too is those are whole new coaching staffs and, and, you know, like I kind of mentioned before, there's still that passion over in Europe. And sometimes people are like, oh, well, the football is not that good. There's like, yeah, maybe. But the passion for it, the knowledge for it, guys are putting all the effort that we're putting in here. So I learned so much from being over in France and Germany about how to call plays and how to develop an offense. And it's more than just, you know, let's try this play out. Let's try this play out. You know, it's it's a system. It's how do you develop a system to take advantage of both your players and matchups and, and what the defense is trying to do to you. And and it was really, really cool. Um, and I think in so in 2017 in Germany, when I came back to Potsdam, we had a full time OC. 
another American guy named Will Furlong, um, who played his college ball at University of North Alabama. And he came over and he brought over this whole new system I had never even thought of. The way to call plays was was awesome. I loved it. Um, and just gave me a whole new level of appreciation for the no huddle offense, for how do you take advantage of matchups and how do you make sure your players are put in a position to be successful. Um, so that 2017 season was was really special and, and, and was really important for my development, I think, as a coach and player. Well, that's a that's kind of a perfect lead-in to QBIQ in, in several of the things that you just said about I mean, you had the experience, no doubt, and you, you learned trial by fire and made the mistakes and learned from being in the trenches and, and figuring it out as you went along, no doubt, with some great coaches. But when you got into talking about how an offense runs, what the system does for every player within the offense, matchups, you know, insert QBIQ and, and, and what that system does for a coach, an individual coach for a player, for an offense. You've been using QBIQ for a little bit now. What's that segue like for you? And is QBIQ something that you could have benefited from years ago? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer that last question first. It's absolutely something I could have benefited from because I think one of the hardest transitions from going from player to coach is as a quarterback, I would make decisions and reads and throws just because I just, I just understood the game. I just, I knew what was happening and I just did it. And then you have to transition to understand, okay, well, how do I get the way I understand the game to transfer to my quarterback or my receivers or my O-lines? How do they read the defense? How do they understand the concept that we're trying to call? How do they understand what we're trying to do to a defense? And I think early on in my coaching career, that's where I struggled the most. And, and it was hard for me because I was getting frustrated. Like, why can't they just understand what I'm trying to teach them? And it's because yeah, it's essentially coaching the why. Why are we right. doing it? Right. And, and, you know, it's just I didn't have that concrete answer. And um, I started looking at QBIQ and actually Coach Slavens was the one who kind of turned me on to it. And I and he showed me how he uses it with his quarterbacks. And, and I started doing some research into it. And it's funny because all the things in QBIQ are things that I understand and I know already, but that system of teaching is what puts it over the edge. Um, and honestly, you know, for guys who don't use it, the one thing I like the most about QBIQ is the situational breakdowns because I've actually started to implement the way I call plays kind of similarly how QBIQ does the situational breakdown. Like, you know, if it's third and long, how many yards do I have to gain to get back into a, a good play calling situation where the quarterback, how he has to think through that, right? You know, second and long, well, I got to get back to third and medium because I got to make sure that we have a nice play call set up or the zones on the field. I mean, even on my call sheet, I have it broken down by field zones. Pretty similar. It's a little different than what QBIQ exactly does, but it's that same concept of, all right, well, if I can get my quarterback to understand when we're in this field zone and I'm calling this play, this is why I'm doing it. You know, this is this is a shot play, or this is a I need five yards right now kind of play. And, right, and now now you're able to, to using that as a curriculum almost to teach your quarterbacks based on the knowledge that you have, and using that as a segue to teach your quarterbacks 
who are on the field and separate from you on the sideline or in the booth, now you have the opportunity to give them the keys to the car. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the best thing that happens on game day is I call a play and I see the quarterback change a route and he makes a completion and I'm like, he gets it. You know, like I called a play. I thought it was the best play I could call. But then he sees something on the field. It's like, well, no, if I do this, we're going to be in a better spot. And that's all that information, all that, you know, diagnostic stuff. You're looking at a defense. You're registering the down and distance. What's the time on the clock? Are we trying to milk the clock? Are we trying to run down and score right now? Or what What are we trying to do? And to be able to then, you know, make a slight tweak to the play call and then be successful at it. That's really what QBIQ kind of kind of lets you do. And how cool have those conversations been with your quarterbacks? I don't know if you have freshmen, sophomores, juniors, or seniors, or, or whatever, but how, what, how cool have those conversations been with those guys once you kind of work with them through that, that template? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I love – I think that one of the best parts of coaching is when you're explaining something to a guy – and maybe he's just not getting, he's just not getting. And all of a sudden that clicks and you can just see the look on their face. We're like, Oh, I get it. I know exactly what you're trying to get me to do. And then the conversation switches a lot because it's, they're leading the conversation now. Cause now when I'm watching film, I have a senior quarterback right now starting and I have some young, really good young guys who are, you know, who will be competing for for that job next year. But, um, it's really cool just watching film with him because, you know, I have a game plan. I've been watching film and I know what I kind of want to attack. And then he's watching film too. And he's seeing the same thing I'm seeing, but then he's making suggestions that I'm like, you know what, that's a great idea. And he explains it like, you know, when they do this, they roll to this side, you know, they're a field role team. And what if we did this and this instead? And it's just, it's him. Like he's like, we kind of said, taking the keys to the car and kind of saying, I know the offense I'm owning the offense. This is how we can be successful. And th- those are those are elite conversations. Like those are conversations that that are not happening in a lot of places. I, agree. I mean, those those are our elite conversations that whether it's a senior in college, you know, senior in high school or, or younger, when it gets to that point, man, those are advanced high level conversations and that's ultimately what what we're aiming to do as a coach absolutely and and what's really cool is when when it makes it easier as a coach when you can have those conversations cuz this off season we were able to cut our playbook by at least half and it's because our guys are starting to understand better so i can limit the playbook allow them to just play and then they'll make the adjustments on the field without me having to tell them what to do. I mean, I know coaches who are just at a point with their players where it's just they're almost they're calling it a play and then they're tagging exactly what receiver the quarterback needs to throw to. I'm like, that's so stressful as a coach. Because <laughs> you well, got it's, it's stressful as a coach, but then yeah. in, in, if you bring in like a human factor into it, you're enabling, right? I mean, like right. you're telling them what what to do and not letting him have any figured outness, quote unquote. Right. You know? Like. Right, absolutely. So it's 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 nice once you get to that point where they they understand it, and they the biggest thing is if you can get them to think the way you think. And this is whether you're running triple option, wing T, air raid, run and shoot. It doesn't matter if you can get them to think the way you think when you're calling plays and making reads and understanding numbers and leverage 
and, and situationals, then it doesn't matter what offense you run. You can really let those guys take ownership of it. And it's not just the quarterbacks either. I'm um, obviously I coach the quarterbacks as the OC, but I specifically work with the receivers on a day to day. And even the receivers, when they're starting to figure out, okay, this is the coverage or even blocking assignments when they understand, okay, well, this guy's rolled up, this guy's rolled down or rolled back. This is the guy I got to go block or this is, this is, I got to get inside of him and then stay away from that guy. So, right. I mean, they they need to read just as much as anybody else pre-snap and during the play. 100%. And so I've actually, I haven't yet had them read the book yet. I've had the, I actually have a bookshelf in my office and uh, the QBIQ book is on the, on the bookshelf. Quarterbacks can come read it. I've got the playing cards on my desk. So I'll have quarterbacks come in. They can play the, Cards against, you know, with me, with another quarterback. Um, I haven't yet started to making the receivers do it yet, but that'll be definitely an off-season thing that we'll start getting into because then that just means I have quarterbacks and receivers doing the exact same thing, thinking the exact same way, um, you know, and so. Love that. Love that. On that same page, you can just, it just, it allows them to play more confident. And honestly, for my personal style, I like to go as fast as possible. And if those guys are thinking like that, they can play so fast. They're not thinking about it. And they can just go. No doubt. Yeah. How do you, so if you're coaching receivers, you have a quarterback coach, then how do you, uh, what's grading? Like, are you grading the receivers each week? Yeah. So I grade out, so I grade out the receivers. So we have a, a, a you know, a, a, the day after a game kind of, um, schedule where we do all of our grade outs as individual coaches. Um, But obviously I have a different relationship a little bit with the quarterbacks coach where it's a little more involved um, because, you know, as the OC, I'm going to coach every position. And so it's really important for him and I to be on the exact same page of exactly, you know, I I, I don't want to micromanage. I think that's super inefficient. He's got, he, he's in charge of the quarterbacks, but at the same time, he's got to know what I want and, kind of how I envision the offense going. So so we'll have a little more extensive conversations about, okay, what's the quarterback supposed to be doing in this situation or that situation, what I want him to take advantage of. Um, so he'll kind of give me the grade out, and then I'll watch film. And, I mean, he's a great coach. So most of the time he's hitting on all the points I've already wanted to hit on. But there'll be a few here and there where I'm like, you know, I'd like him to do this a little different. Um, and so it, it, it's a good relationship. He was with us last year. So my first year at Nichols, I was a QB's coach. Uh, he was a tight ends coach. He's a former quarterback as well. And so uh, when we had some shifts on the on the coaching staff, I wanted him to take over the quarterbacks. Because um, also I think quarterbacks are so involved in everything. As the OC, I thought if I was coaching the quarterbacks, I might have too much blinders on to the rest of the offense. So I was like, you know what? I trust this guy. I've worked with you for a year now. I want you to take over. And he's doing a great job. Um, but it is nice to be able to also bounce ideas off of them because, you know, I'm a quarterback at heart. He's coaching the quarterbacks. He played quarterback. So almost having those two minds there, to be able to bounce ideas off of it is really great. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zach, man, I, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast today. It, dude, you just dropped knowledge bombs all over the place for all of our listeners here. Um, who is your, who's your opponent after the bye week? We've got Becker, Becker College. Okay. It's a nice awesome. rivalry. They're about 15 minutes away from us, uh, maybe a little long, maybe 20, 25 minutes uh, just north of us. So it's a, it's a nice little local rivalry. Um, 
And uh, so we're we'll- and just just so everyone knows, Nickel College, you're just outside Boston, right? Yep. Yeah. So we're about an hour west of Boston. We're near, if anyone knows, Worcester. Uh, it's the it's the second biggest city in the New England region. Uh, it's like right in the middle. It's Central Mass. Uh, we're right in the middle of the state. There you go. So we'll get a little recruiting plug in there for there any of those guys <laughs> that are up in that area. Check out Coach Shaw and, and Nichols College. Man, Zach, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your bye week and super successful week against Becker coming back and an awesome rest of your season. Appreciate you getting on the podcast tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, thanks for the invite. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see some uh, see you guys up at nickel sometime. Maybe we can get you guys up and let you check us out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, would love to get up there. I got to get up there soon if it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's going to start getting too cold, and I, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get real cold real fast up here, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, Zach, man, I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you later, buddy.